We launched a brand new series last week called Stronger. And you've heard the, 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 uh, the adage, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so here at City Church, we're not going to be bitter. We're getting better. We are not victims. We are victors because he always causes us to triumph. Over the next several weeks, we're going to stir up our faith. And I'm talking to the dreamers in the room this morning. I'm talking to the ones that God has given a compelling dream that your circumstances contradict. Uh, Cedric mentioned Noah. When you're building an ark and it doesn't even make no sense because he hadn't even seen the first drop of rain, let alone a flood. These are the people that I'm talking about. I'm talking to the Walt Disney's in the room this morning. I'm talking to the Romans chapter three Christ followers where the scripture says, just because they didn't believe it, will that make the grace of God and the faithfulness of God of no effect? God forbid. Just because someone doesn't believe in the dream doesn't mean that God will not bring it to pass. So we're going to learn what the Bible has to say about faith. Faith, the kind of faith, the kind of mountain-moving faith that causes our lives to align with God's dream, with God's plan, and God's purpose for our lives. Can I get an amen? amen. Glory to God. Uh, let's pray and we'll dive into the word together. Father, we come to you now uh, in Jesus' name and we thank you that your word, God, is unhindered and unfettered. Father, I thank you that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I thank you, Lord, that there's freedom in this room right now to dream. Not just to dream, but to dream again. Father, as we look to your word, we thank you that you give us permission. <laughs> That's what I hear the Lord say. He gives us permission right now in this moment to dream, to dream again, and to dream big. Father, I thank you that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything and everything we could ever ask or imagine according to the power that works within us. So we stand upon that promise now. Father, give us insight, give us wisdom as we look to your word together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen and amen. Our anchor text for this series is, is, is found in two places. Uh, Daniel chapter 11 and 32, it's a somewhat obscure verse of scripture. But in Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32, this is what the writer declares. They that know their God will first of all be strong, and then they will do great exploits. Notice the progression. Number one, it's intimacy with God. Those who know their God will then be strong. Remember last week we said that every faith crisis is an intimacy crisis because you can't trust what you don't know. Most of us struggle in our faith, and we vacillate between faith and fear because our understanding and our knowledge of God is limited. But the, no, the more you know God and the better you know him, the easier it is to trust him. Are y'all with me? And the closer you get to God, what you will discover is that he is a God of love. In fact, he's not just a God of love. The scripture says in 1 John that God is love. It's his nature. It's who he is. He can't be anything but love. Now, here's why that's powerful, City Church. It's important because the scripture says, perfect love casts out all fear. What does that mean? It simply means that when we understand how perfectly we're loved by God, it casts out all fear about all things. The woman should understand that principle very well. Because every woman's primary need is the need for security. And not just material and financial security, but even emotional security. 
When a woman knows how safe she is with a man, that her man ain't got wandering eyes, she can trust him with her life. Are y'all with me? The same principle is true. When I cultivate intimacy with God, what I will discover is that he's a God of love. And when I understand how much God loves me, it drives out fear, worry, anxiety, and cares about everything that I could ever encounter because no matter what comes my way, I know that my God, not just the God I serve, but the God whose I am. Remember, he's not just the God we serve, but he's our father. That my heavenly father loves me without condition. His love for me is not performance-based. He loved me from the very beginning. Even before I had my first success and even before I had my first failure. So we understand then that great faith is rooted and grounded in understanding the love of God. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6 makes it clear. It says, faith worketh by love. That word worketh means that faith is activated and energized by love. So this morning, if you're having a faith crisis, if you're anxious, if you're worried about many things, if the cares of this life have consumed you and overtaken you, can I, can I offer you one word of recommendation? Just draw near to God. L- listen to his promise. He says, draw near to God and I will draw near to you. You know, for a long time, I used to read that scripture and says, well, it's my move. But the truth is, he already made the first move on the cross. And because he made the first move, it has now positioned me to be able to draw near to him. And as I draw near to him, there's this, this dance that happens between me and my heavenly father. So we established that. When we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, this is what the scripture says. That before Enoch was translated into heaven, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But the scripture says that Enoch simply walked with God. What God brought God great pleasure and what brought Enoch this testimony and this reputation of being a man that pleased God was simply he cultivated intimacy with God. That's available to each of us this morning. You and I can get to know God intimately and personally. I ain't talking about grandmama's version of God. Because God ain't got no grandkids. He has sons and daughters. Uh, And so this morning, I believe, and through the the duration of this series of messages, I believe firmly that what's going to happen for each of us is that we're going to draw near to God closer to God than we've ever drawn to him. And as we do that, mountain-moving faith is going to be established in our lives. And dreams that seem to be out of reach all of a sudden begin to come to pass. Are y'all with me? Now, you said, Pastor Ray, I hear you talking about cultivating intimacy with God. Where do I start? How do I get to know God and how do I get to know him intimately and personally? Uh, 
it begins right here with his word. In fact, point number one in our message this morning is simply this. We can know God personally and intimately through his word. Because everything that we need to know about God's character, his nature, is already recorded right here in the book. Everything we need to know about God is right here in this book. And if that is true, that I can know God personally and intimately through his word, then the word of God becomes the basis for our faith. And that's why the scripture says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, so then faith cometh by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do I build strong faith? How do I build great faith? It's by cultivating intimacy with God. But where does that intimate relationship with God begin? It begins right here with his word. Unfortunately, uh, uh, All the secrets about God, we never learn because we keep his secrets on a coffee table, collected dust. Uh, Imagine imagine having a smartphone and never turning it on. And every day, this person that is madly in love with you is texting you, but you got no idea what they say. That's what we do with God's word. Every single day, he's sending us text messages. He's sending us IMs to let us know how much he loves us, how passionate he is about us. We never take the time. In fact, let me put it this way. It's like looking at your phone and getting a dozen notifications and never opening them up. Every single day, God wants to remind you And he wants to remind me of how much we're loved. And he wants to remind us of his character and his nature. And from that place of intimacy with God. In fact, that's what we like to say about the word intimacy. Into me see. Every single day God is saying, into me see. See my heart for you. See my plans for you. See my desires for you. They are even better and bigger than you can plan for yourself. And when we begin to understand that this is the kind of God that we have as our heavenly father, it drives out all fear, all anxiety. In fact, this is what it does. It puts a new spin on our trouble because we recognize if I'm going through this, this God who loves me has a purpose for it. Because this God who loves me so much will never waste my pain. Instead, what we do is because we don't understand the nature and character of God, when our circumstances change, we say, God must not love me. And we begin to change the narrative. So the key to walking in intimacy with God is found in his word. Can I go a step further? It's not just in a cursory reading of his word because it's possible to know the story and never meet the author. I know a whole lot of people who can quote scripture back and forth, forward and in reverse. They don't know Jesus. They know the story, but not the author. And that's why so many times we waver and struggle in our faith. 
But the scripture says those who know their God will first of all be strong. That means you'll be stable. That means you will stand your ground. No matter what life throws at you because you know your God, it will make you sure-footed and it will establish you. And from that place of strength, you and I will do great exploits. Oh boy. All right. Are y'all tracking with me so far? <laughs> Notice what Matt Chandler said. Matt Chandler is the lead pastor of a phenomenal church, thousands of people just down the street from us in Flower Mound, uh, the village church. And Matt Chandler said it this way. He says, the spirit of God does the work of God through the word of God. Say that with me. The spirit of God does the work of God through the word of God. That's why the Bible calls uh, uh, the Bible, the word of God, the sword of the spirit. What does God use to transform, to change our lives? He uses his word. That's why Hebrews 4 says that the word of God is living and active. It's quick and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Here's what I like because we often miss this in the reading of the word in English. When you look up that word sword that's used in Ephesians 4, I mean, Ephesians 6 and Hebrews 4, that word is actually more accurately translated dagger. Uh, Somebody's going to catch it. It's not just a sword where you can engage your enemy from a distance. If you're going to use a dagger, you got to get up close and on him. And the scripture says that God has given us the dagger of the spirit, not to engage difficulties and adversities and challenges from a distance, not to shy away from our problems and our difficulties and our obstacles and our mountains. He says, take this dagger and use it like a scalpel and get in there and begin to surgically remove and cut away everything that's keeping you from living out my plan and my purpose for your life. How many of us pick up that scalpel, though? How many of us deploy this weapon that God has given us? Everything I need to win in life, everything you need to win in life is right here in this book. And God is calling our church into a season where he's going to require us to walk by faith and not by sight. Listen to me, listen to me. The Lord gave me a promise and he said, Ray, in this season, I will do more with less. He said that. And so my part is simply to trust what he said and take simple steps of obedience. Listen to the city church, your simple steps of obedience will always cause you to intersect the promise of God. Okay. So number two, this is what I need to do. If I'm going to cultivate intimacy with God, I have to interact with his word. And in interacting with his word, I discover who he is. I don't only learn the story, but I become intimately acquainted with the author of the story, the writer of the book. But secondly, 
I need to prioritize God's word. What does that mean? I need to allow the word of God to frame how I see myself, (laughs) how I see my circumstances, and how I see God. I'll say that again. I need to allow the word of God to frame and inform how I see myself, how I see my circumstances, and how I see God. Here's why that's important. James chapter 1 says that the word of God is a mirror. Hmm? I want to spend some time talking about this, but I ain't going to do it. All I'm going to say about it is the mirror that you look into determines the reflection you see. I'll say that again. The mirror you choose to look into determines the reflection that you see. And most of us go through this life looking into the wrong mirror. And what we get, in fact, it's like a carnival. And we're surrounded by all these mirrors. And all we're getting back is, are these distorted images. Have you ever been to one of those fairs and you walked into a house of mirrors and you stood in front of the mirror and based on the mirror you stood in front of, it either made you short and pudgy or it made you tall and thin. And this is what most of us do. We go through life looking for validation by staring into the wrong mirrors that give us a distorted reflection of what God made. Are y'all hearing me? The only mirror that will give you a true and authentic reflection of who you are is the mirror of God's word. For the Bible says that you and I were created, what? In his own image and after his likeness. But most of us have settled for distorted images and we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And the reflections that we're receiving and because of the mirrors that we're looking into is doing two things. It's giving us an exaggerated view of ourselves. That's why the scripture says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. If you look into the wrong mirror, the reflection you get back may think, may cause you to think that you all that. Or you might look into another mirror that feeds you a distorted image that says you ain't nothing. And most of us go through life bouncing between two mirrors where we have an exaggerated sense of self or a deflated sense of self and we won't even crack open the book though. So we can get a true reflection of what God created and who God created us to be. That's why if you and I are going to be stronger, if you and I are going to do exploits, if you and I are going to win in life the way God designed for us to win in life, the word of God is essential. It's not optional. Because most of us have made the word of God a take it or leave it proposition. And you and I will never become 
all that God has created us to be without prioritizing the word of God. Okay. <clears throat> Let me tell you why that's critically important. Here's why it's critically important. If the devil can get you to think differently about who God really is, meaning if the devil can get you to think differently about God's character and his nature, and most importantly, how he sees you, he will win every single time. All he needs to do is twist how you see God. All he needs to do is twist how you see your circumstances. All he needs to do is twist how you see yourself. And every single time, the devil's like DJ Khaled, all I do is win, 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 no matter. That's why you and I must go back to this book and discover what God says about me, what God says about you, and live there. Just live right there. Just live right there. Just live right there. What does God say about me? How does God see me? Let me tell you why this is critical. Let me tell you another reason why this is critical. There's a guy, Dr. James Gills, who has the unique distinction of being the only man or the only person to ever complete six double Ironman triathlons. Six double. Listen to me. Listen to me. Let me tell you what a double Ironman is. In an Ironman triathlon, this is what you do. You you swim 2.4 miles, you bike 112 miles, and then you run 26.2 miles. All in one race. Swim two and a half miles, bike 112 miles, and then run a full marathon. James Gills has completed six double. That means you do all that stuff I just listed, and 24 hours later, you do it all again. Let me tell you why you said his secret was. He says, I have discovered that the only way to conquer the double marathon is I speak to myself instead of listening to myself. Oh, look, we can, we can go home right on that part right there. Because of all you do is listen to the voices in your head. If all you do is listen to your inner script, you will quit halfway. And that's what we do. Y'all remember I did a whole series, I'm in my feelings. That's where most of us live. And we keep listening to ourselves. We listen to our inner script. And that inner script that's playing in our head sometimes are the voices that said, you ain't going to be nothing. 
You're going to be just like your daddy. You're going to be just like your mama. And all we do is we listen to ourselves and we convince ourselves that the only voice worthy of listening to is the voice in our heads. And it's the very thing that is undoing everything that's already in the mirror for us. And most of us go through life and we listen to ourselves and it nullifies our faith. When what we should be doing is speaking to ourselves. And what are we supposed to speak to ourselves? We're supposed to speak back to ourselves what the book says about us. If somebody tells you something about yourself that doesn't line up with what God says, dismiss it. But that's what we choose to linger though. Because the way our human psyche is wired, it takes seven positive reinforcements to undo the effect of one negative word that's spoken. So most of us live with an overdrawn emotional account. Because if I say one thing that hurts your feelings and nobody else says seven things that reinforce how or validate how beautiful you are, in fact, it takes seven positive reinforcements just to bring them back to zero. And if you and I go through life constantly dealing with what, what people are saying about us, the negative things that they're saying about us, and we're listening to what's happening in our head instead of speaking to ourselves, how do we ever move from that deficit into victory? When all the promises are right here. In fact, when you're alone, by yourself. Oh man, I just had a moment. Flashback, 1984. When I'm alone in my room, sometimes I stare at the wall. And in the back of my mind, I hear my conscience call. Telling me I need a girl who's the sweetest of dove. For the first time in my life, I see I need love. There I was. <laughs> Come on, Cedric. You know what's up. I know y'all had that Kango. Y'all had your Kazals. Your Adidas. Yeah, the rope chain, baby. I had that moment just now. It, it came back. What are you saying to yourself when you're alone in your room? What are you, not even saying to yourself, what are you listening to? What's playing over and over in your head? Hmm? Because my life will always move in the direction of my most dominant thought. Secondly, whatever I keep my mind on, I stay in contact with. What are you saying to yourself? And that's one of the reasons the scripture says that we should hold fast to our confession. Hmm? In life groups, they're going to be talking about that word confession, because that word confession is a Greek word, homo logeo. Homo meaning same, logeo meaning speech. When the scripture says hold fast to your confession, what it's saying is that instead of listening to yourself, begin to speak to yourself. But don't be speaking no gibberish. Same speak God. Same speak God. Homo logeo God. 
Whatever God has said is what you see about yourself, to yourself, to your circumstances and your situation. I'm an army guy. 101st Airborne Division Air Assault. Who what? Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And one of the first things that Pastor Jesse is a retired Lieutenant Colonel, U.S. Army Ranger, hardcore. We got our very own major pain right here in the house, y'all. <laughs> it's been three long weeks since I killed me a man. Want me to show you a little something? Take your mind off that pain? <laughs> you might feel a little pressure. Some of y'all seen major pain. Some of y'all are like, what's he talking about? <laughs> Speaking of which, what was, what was I talking about? Oh, same speak God. So, so, so in the army, one of the first things they teach us is how to march and how to run in cadence. How to march and how to run in step. In fact, they teach you how far your arms are supposed to swing, nine to the front, nine inches to the front, six to the rear. That's the way we do it here. And so what we would do is as we're running with the drill sergeant, drill sergeant's calling cadence, and guess what we say? Whatever the drill sergeant says is what we repeat. Whatever the drill sergeant says is what we echo. We don't go off course and start ad-libbing stuff and the drill sergeant say one thing and we make something up and the drill sergeant say something and we make something up. Oh, snap. Y'all see that drill sergeant say something? We make something up. Oh, snap. Y'all, y'all. Drill sergeant say, and you make something. No, 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 no. You echo what you hear. And I wonder how many, how many of us are echoing what we hear. Because this, in essence, is the foundation of building a life of faith. There's a great Psalm, Psalm 34. And in Psalm 34, this is what, this is what, this is what David says. In Psalm 34, in verse 1, he says, I will bless the Lord when life is good and when life is clicking on all cylinders and when everything's going my way. No, David said, I will Bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will continually be in my mouth. Do you all know when, when David wrote that psalm? David wrote that psalm of praise. And just so you know, the psalms, they're songs. They're worship songs. You know when David wrote this worship song? David wrote this worship song when Abimelech was trying to kill him and he pretended that he was crazy. And in the midst of somebody trying to kill him, and in the midst of pretending to be crazy so that his life would be saved, guess what David said? I'm going to praise him. I know there's a whole lot of stuff that I could be listening to, but I'm going to tell myself what my outcome is going to be. In spite of the fact that somebody is trying to kill me, and I got to pretend to be crazy so I can make it out alive. Okay. Uh, I, I got to close. 
Because everything I just told you, that really was my introduction. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We, we probably need a, can I order some popcorn for y'all so I can finish this? No, no, I, I, I'm, I'm done. I'm about to wrap up. Let me tell you why the word of God is critical, man. Because the word of God is the key to self-awareness. When you look into a mirror, ladies, y'all can appreciate this because I see y'all doing mirror, I mean, doing makeup in the traffic. <laughs> That's some dangerous stuff there, man. Woo, at the stoplight, man, y'all got the, what y'all call it, compact? Come on, somebody. Huh? Yeah, you got your compact. I just got the, 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 the makeup, the rouge. Is that what it's called? Rouge? Huh? The puff? Huh? The powder. You got your, it's a powder or foundation? It's both. Okay. Y'all be out there, man, in the traffic. Foundation, man. Looking at the mirror. Now, let me tell you about mirrors. Mirrors have a tendency to be very honest. Unless they're deliberately distorted, like you walk into a house and mirror. But if you just look at a regular mirror, it's going to tell you the truth. Isn't that right? It's going to tell you, bruh, it's about time you trim that nose hair that's sticking out there. I work with a guy like that, man. Should I tell y'all that story? No, <laughs> no y'all don't want to hear about it. <laughs> what was I talking about? Mirrors. Yes. The, the, one of the reasons you want to look into the word, man, is for the mirror is going to tell you the truth. Right? The mirror is going to tell you how good you look or whether you need to adjust that weave just a little bit, just kind of move it to the right. <laughs> Come on, somebody. My wife ain't here so I can do this. Right? You're going to tell her? You're going to tell on me? Okay, let me get back to the word. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? When it just ain't sitting right. <laughs> and he just needed just a little. Okay, sorry. All right. I thought more people were going to enjoy that, but. All right. <clears throat> The word of God, this is where I'm going to wrap up, I promise you. All right, so the word of God helps me with intimacy with God, but it brings me into a place of self-awareness. It helps me see things about myself that I don't see or that I can't see. And this is why I'm going to close. I really want to close here because I have spent time in this passage of Scripture over the course of the... Uh, 26 years that I've been walking with Jesus, 17 of those years in some type of vocational ministry. I found myself going back to this text, and I think it'll help you. And this is where we're going to close the message. And would you put Mark chapter 4 and verse 13 on the screens? And this is where we're going to close. Because I think as we draw near to God and we find intimacy with God, uh, the mirror of his word is going to tell us the truth. And in telling us the truth, God doesn't desire to shame us. He doesn't desire to uh, hurt us. 
In fact, y'all heard me, y'all, you guys have heard me talk about the difference between uh, hurting somebody and harming somebody. Yeah. Uh, listen. Sometimes the truth hurts, but the truth is never harmful. Okay. There are some things that are the truth that I've been told. People have told me the truth. And in telling me the truth, it was painful to hear. But I could look back on those painful moments when I heard the truth. And I can look back and say, it didn't harm me. Even though it hurt, it helped me. Most of us put words that hurt and words that harm in the same bucket. And there are people who are trying to help you by telling you the truth. And in telling you the truth, all you hear is, well, that hurt me. That hurt me. No, it hurt you now. How many of y'all ever been to a chiropractor? Does it hurt? But over time, does it help? Does it harm you? doesn't harm you, even though it hurts. And most of us have walked away from good relationships because somebody told you something that hurt, told you the truth that hurt, but you didn't want to hear it. And sometimes we just stay right where we are because we don't want to hear the truth. Now that mirror of God's word is going to tell you the truth. You can't read God's word and not be confronted with the truth. And when I'm confronted with the truth, I can't blame nobody but myself. I can't point fingers at nobody but myself. I've got to deal with the reflection in the mirror. Because all that God wants to do is help us, even though in the moment it hurts. And that's why he said in Hebrews chapter 13, whom he loves, he chastens. What does that mean? When, when God gets to spanking you a little bit, it's not because he wants to harm you. Is it because he loves you and he wants to help you? Now, let me, let me just close with, with this here. Here we go. The word of God will tell you the truth. And so in, in Mark chapter 14, I mean, Mark chapter four, beginning at verse 13, this is what it says. This is Jesus speaking. These are the words in red. Jesus is speaking to his disciples because he's just taught them this parable of the sower, but they didn't understand it. So Jesus says, now I got to explain what I just taught them. But notice, notice how he starts the explanation. He says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand any of the other parables? What he's saying is, if you don't get this, nothing else is going to make sense. If you don't get this principle, if you don't understand this simple principle, none of this is going to work. So that's where we need to start with our intimacy with God. And the first thing he begins to deal with is he begins to tell us the truth about ourselves. Are y'all ready? This is what he said. He said, some of the things I'm telling you and some of the things that I said about you, 
may not be working. You know why? Here it is. He says the sower sows the word. Just to be crystal clear. He's the sower and he sows the word. And he says, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. He's speaking about the condition of our hearts. Because what God deals with is the fact that we live our lives inside out. Most of us think that life gets hard because of what's happening around us. Yet Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says, guard your heart because out of your heart flow all the issues of life. (laughs) So Jesus is telling them, look, you live your life inside out, not outside in. It is the condition of your heart that determines how you respond to what's happening around you. So if you're going to have a better response to what's happening around you, you got to deal with the condition of your heart. And so he says, here's the key. Here's the word that has the power to change your life. But I'm putting this word in soil that's by the wayside. Then number two, uh, the heart, that's one heart condition. That's one heart condition is your heart is by the wayside. Let me tell you what the wayside heart looks like. <laughs> you neither here nor there. You not fixed. You ain't settled. You ain't established. You just by the way. Ain't committed to nothing or nobody. Just kind of, mm, I feel like doing this. Mm, I feel like doing this. Mm, I feel like doing this. And notice what Jacob said about his first son. He was blessing his first son, laid hands on his first son. And this is what he told him. He says, unstable in all your ways, you will not excel. What son wants to hear that? In fact, he starts out by blessing him. He said, you are the strength of my youth. You are my this, my that. You're my pride and joy. But he said, here's what's going to undo you. Here's the seed of self-sabotage that's destroying you. You are unstable in all your ways, and you ain't going to excel. And so this is what he said. He said, if we're going to understand any other principle, number one, check the condition of your heart. Are you unstable when it comes to the things of God? Are you like, is the condition of your heart like just that dirt on the side of a highway? Neither here nor there. Number two, number two. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, uh, um, and this is what happens to those people. He says, when they hear, Satan comes immediately. And takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. When does Satan come? Immediately. The word doesn't even have an opportunity to to, to take root. Immediately. The word that was sown where? In their hearts. Most pastors you hear preach, they will say, oh, you got to read the word to get it in your heart. No. You read the word to get it in your head. Let me mess with your theology. Jesus said the word I speak, they are spirit and they are life. God is not going to speak something spiritual and plant it in your head. He's going to speak something spiritual and plant it in your heart. The reason we read the word is so that it can go from our heart to our head. Because where we have the issues is not in our heart. The way we have the issues is in our head. And that's why our heads, we have to renew our minds. They didn't sow it in their head. He took what was sown in their heart. All right. <clears throat> That's why most of us leave. What did pastor preach on? I don't know. No, 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 no. Here's a uh, what series y'all doing? Um, it was good, man. 
All right. I, I promise you, this is where I'm close. I promise this is my final close, the condition of your heart. Number two, this is what he says. He says, if you don't get this, you ain't going to get nothing else. He says, you're going to understand the kingdom by looking inward first. Why, is thing, why are things not working for me the way they should? Is it the condition of my heart? Wayward heart? Number two, he says, these likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. Ooh, I got a word today, pastor. Ooh, gladness. They receive it wholeheartedly, but notice what happens. But they have no root in themselves. And so they endure only for a time. But afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Why my faith ain't working? It could be a condition of the heart, that my heart is stony ground. You know what stony ground is? This is shallow ground with very little depth because of the hardness of my heart. And this is what we often do. Instead of having tough skin and a tender heart, we now have thin skin and a calloused heart because we let every single thing get to us. And God says, I can sow my word in that soil. It can't bear fruit. Number three, uh, thorny ground. It says, now these are the, are the ones sown among thorns uh, and the cares of this world. Oh, my Lord. Y'all see that? They hear the word, but let me tell you what we struggle with. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things entering in choke the word and it becomes, you know what these people are? They're carnal Christian. Want to come to church on Sunday morning, but they're going hard in the club with Cardi B, Bodak Yellow. Can't nobody tell the difference between you who saved and the person who ain't saved, you hear the word, but you're carnal. You are carnal. There is no difference between how you live and how unbelievers live. So you hear the word all the time, but you care for the world. There's this pull. There's this attraction for the cares of this world. Oh, here, you want money, the deceitfulness of riches. Which, by the way, pay your taxes before Tuesday. And the desires for other things. And even though I'm spending time in the word, it ain't going to bear fruit. Because I'm carnal, which means I am governed by the desires of my flesh. We got a whole bunch of worldly Christians. And now we have a worldly church. And God says, I want, to, I, want to, I want you to do amazing, incredible things, but every time I pour my word into you, I sow the word, it's falling on bad soil. Last one, there is some hope. Somebody say, there's hope. And that's who I'm talking to this morning. City Church, this is where y'all land. There's good ground. And it said, these are the ones sown on good ground. Those who hear the word, they accept it and they bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. I asked the band to come because this is where we're ending. Today, as we look to God's word, I believe that God wants us to look inward. Because they that know their God will be strong and do great exploits. And as we look to God's word together, what we're looking at is a mirror. And in that mirror, God's telling us the truth. 
It's like I'm sowing my word, but I want it to fall on good soil. And I want to see fruit in your life. I want to do amazing, amazing things that you could, man, you couldn't even ask or think or imagine or conjure up in your mind. But let's deal with the, let's make the first thing the first thing. Let's deal with the condition of your heart. Let's deal with some of those thorns. Let's deal with the deceitfulness of riches. Let's deal with the cares of this world. Let's deal with the desire for other things so that everything I have planned and promised for your life will come to pass. Because as we look to God's word, we will be confronted with the truth about ourselves, not to harm us, (laughs) but to help us. And when that happens, I promise you, when that happens, when we allow God to confront us with the truth about ourselves, we only get stronger. We only get stronger. So let me pray for you this morning. Father, I don't only pray for our church, but I pray this for myself.